reminder for those who have children in ages uh, 4 through kindergarten that uh, children's worship is taking place now so they can be dismissed uh, if they so choose to do that uh, with us this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you now, I invite you to go ahead and turn into the Gospel of Mark, uh, to Mark chapter 6. We'll be uh, looking at verses 30 to 44 this morning. Uh, last time we uh, were in Mark, we noticed, uh, we saw that Jesus had just sent the disciples out on their first uh, ministry mission uh, to preach and proclaim the gospel in his name, to, uh, to heal people, to cast out demons and so forth. And so we see the disciples, uh, as we pick up our story this morning, they've returned from their journey. They're eager to come to Jesus and tell him, uh, to report back to him all that had taken place on their journey. And uh, as we go through our, our, our text this morning, which is uh, uh, well known as the, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, we'll see Jesus uh, meeting some common needs uh, that not only the, that the disciples have, but also that uh, the people have in the story. This large crowd that continues to follow Jesus and his disciples in their ministry. And as we see that, we'll see also that we uh, have these same common needs uh, that are met through Jesus. And so... Um, let's, let's turn there now, uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, picking up at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish, the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we do pray in these next few moments that you would teach us from your word, uh, that you would teach us uh, things that we need to hear, and that you would show us, uh, Lord, what our our true needs are and how you meet those uh, in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But sometimes you find you get what you need. Many of you may recognize this as the chorus to a well-known song by the Rolling Stones written back in 1968, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Uh, This is a line that's often uh, repeated, uh, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes on a weekly basis around our home uh, with our two girls, with Charlotte and Grace. Uh, Oftentimes they may want something, they may need something, uh, and they can't have it right then. And they they may fuss a little bit, they may complain a little bit. 
And oftentimes we'll tell them, you can't always get what you want. And so we kind of laugh at that, and, but there's it's a lot of truth in it. Uh, we, and oftentimes I think we, we, we kind of um, uh, dismiss popular music, uh, rock music, or whatever kind of uh, music you're talking about, uh, and say that it really has nothing to offer to us. And, and sometimes it doesn't. There are a lot of things that we would not affirm in a lot of the music that's out there today or in years past. But there's a lot of truth in it as well. There's small bits uh, in kernels, elements of truth in the music that's out there today. And that's because uh, we're all made in God's image. Uh, everyone, human beings, are made in God's image. And we are fallen, yes. Uh, we are with sin. And, and we are not perfect people. And our, our actions are tainted uh, by the fall. But we still are image bearers of God. Uh, that still stands. And so we see that reflected, uh, whether it be uh, in, in the world of um, entertainment, art, music, whatever it might be, we see that reflected in human beings, uh, elements of truth. And so I think there is an element of truth uh, in, in what the, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, are saying here. And they probably didn't realize how true that was when they wrote this song some 50 years ago. Uh, but I think there is a lot of truth in it. We can't always get what we want. And our culture that we live in today is a very much a very individualistic, uh, me-first culture. It's about, I want this, I need this. And you can just, just say, I want or I need and fill in the blank with a number of things. Uh, I want a new car. I need a bigger house, a new house, a better house. I need the latest electronic gadgets. I need the latest iPhone. I need the latest iPad. Whatever it might be. I need to be financially secure. This is our number one goal. And so we, we center our lives around achieving that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we, sometimes we can make that into an ultimate thing and say we need that. We need a certain type of job. We need a job that pays uh, this much money. We need our children to listen to us. We need respect from coworkers, our boss, the people we work with. We need to get accepted into this college. And if we don't get into it, our world will crumble and we're not happy uh, with, with another option. Uh, we need Republicans in control of the government. We need Democrats in control of the government. We need, we need, we often, uh, this is what we say as human beings, we need people to love us. In the way we think we should be loved. We need acceptance from others. And we need people to think the way we do. And if they don't think the way we do, uh, we tend to write them off. We need our bodies to be healed. We need to be free from suffering, from hardships, from pain. Whatever it might be, fill in the blank. Uh, we've all experienced this. We all uh, experience, I need this or I want this. Uh, you could fill in the blank with a number of things. And like I said, these things that I just mentioned are not necessarily bad desires. Uh, but... They can become bad desires when we make them into ultimate desires, something that we must have. And if we don't have this, the world around us is going to crumble and fall apart, or our lives are going to fall apart. And so that's where we get into trouble is because we don't really know what we really need. So as we look at our story this morning, we see through the uh, disciples in this crowd that's following them, we see uh, Jesus meeting uh, these people's needs. And as the story unfolds, we'll see how he provides for us uh, our ultimate need uh, that we need in this life as human beings. And so let's turn there now uh, to our story this morning. We see uh, that the disciples have just returned, as I mentioned earlier, from their first uh, ministry uh, journey. They've been ministering in Jesus' name. They've been proclaiming uh, the gospel, healing people, uh, casting out demons, preaching this message of faith and repentance that we hear and see so often uh, in the gospel accounts. And you can imagine... 
They've been gone for some number of days. Mark doesn't tell us how long they've been away, but they've been gone for a while, we can imagine. And you can imagine that they're tired. Uh, They were traveling by foot. They were away from uh, what was comfortable to them. They were away from Jesus, who they'd been spending much time with. He'd been calling uh, this group of men to himself. And so they return to Jesus, and they're excited uh, to tell him all about what happened on this trip, to report to him uh, what took place in their ministry. And so they're so excited that they don't even take the time to rest. They just come in. Uh, Mark gives us this picture. They came to Jesus and they were reporting to him uh, all that had taken place. Uh, oftentimes, at home, when I come in from the day and come in from the office or whatever it is I might be doing, uh, Charlotte and Grace will many times uh, meet me at the door or sometimes they will hide from me. But still, once they come out and, and, and greet me, uh, they're excited to tell me all that's been going on that day, whether it's something that took place at school that day or something that took place in ballet or music class or whatever it might be. Uh, they're excited to tell me about their day. And they're so excited sometimes that the words just come spilling out of their mouths. Uh, they're so excited to tell me what's been going on. And I, I feel like that's the picture we get here at the disciples in some way, is they're excited to tell Jesus about what's going Going on, and they want to report to him um, what has taken place. Or maybe uh, if you're uh, in, in a job and your boss gives you something to uh, to complete an assignment, a task, uh, you want to do that well. And when it's completed, you want to report back to them and let them know how things went. And so that's what I think we see taking place here with the disciples. Uh, Jesus has given them something to do: to go out and minister in His name, to preach the gospel, to to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Uh, he sent them out in His name, and they are eager to report back to Him all that they have done. And they don't even take time to rest. And we see Jesus stopping them in verse 31, and He says, "Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while." They just wanted to tell Jesus all that had taken place. And Jesus is telling them, no, you need to rest. And that's just like us. We don't realize uh, that we need rest. We often function in this way too. Uh, We get caught up in the busyness of our lives. We live in a very scheduled, a very busy culture uh, that we live in today. And we get caught up in the busyness of our lives. We get caught up in the demands of work and and what's placed on us there. We get caught up in the busyness of uh, getting kids to school and teaching kids and uh, family life and helping with homework and and getting to doctor's appointments and getting to other appointments and and whatever it might be. We live a very uh, scheduled, busy life. If we're students here this morning, uh, we spend a lot of our time uh, doing homework, going to school, studying for an exam, taking an exam, uh, taking, preparing to take the ACT, taking the ACT, applying to colleges, visiting colleges. Our lives are so busy and oftentimes uh, we feel overwhelmed by these things. And these things end up taking precedent in our lives and we forget uh, that we need rest. Uh, that we need physical rest, but also that we need spiritual rest. Uh, because, and what I mean by that, spiritual rest is taking advantage of the means of grace uh, that God has given to us. Uh, prayer, reading our Bibles, reading Scripture, uh, doing this throughout the days, our days and our weeks. Uh, as followers of Jesus, we need encouragement from these things He's given to us, these means of grace that He's given to us to give us rest, to give us spiritual rest. And I think it's important to note, you don't, we don't see Jesus saying, Hey, Peter, uh, you come away with me by yourself, just you and me, or, or, or James, or John. But he says uh, to all of his disciples, he takes all of his disciples away uh, to, to rest, to a desolate place. And so we get this idea of a community. Jesus is forming a community of followers. He's begun to do that already through uh, the calling of the disciples, and he is calling them away to spend time with him. Uh, yes, we need time uh, in prayer 
Uh, We need time in the word by ourselves, but we also need it in the context of others. Uh, It's so easy for us to get uh, wrapped up in in ourselves or in our families and think we don't need other people in our lives. But uh, I think what we see here taking place is uh, that the disciples need that community. Jesus is calling a people to himself. And so we need to be in prayer. We need to be in God's Word together with each other uh, as a community. We're, as Christians, we're called uh, to be a part of Christ's church. So that means we need to be getting to know each other, spending time with each other throughout the week, uh, whether that's praying with each other, whether that's uh, studying God's Word together, fellowship, whatever it might be. Uh, God has, has brought us together. He's brought the people of Trinity Presbyterian Church together uh, to, to support and encourage each other. And so we need each other. And that's why we do things like small groups and Bible studies uh, throughout the week. These are places that people can connect with each other uh, within the church outside of Sunday mornings. Uh, we do youth ministry, children's ministry. We do these things because we believe uh, that, that youth and children uh, need time with other adults in their lives to, uh, to come alongside them uh, as God has placed us together as the church and to minister to one another with the gospel. We need these things. We need the church. We need each other. And so we need that community and that fellowship uh, that the church gives us. And so we need time away each day throughout the week to be equipped uh, through these means of grace that God has given to us. And so as we turn our attention back to to our text this morning, we see that Jesus takes them away by themselves together as a community. Uh, to a desolate place. He repeats this twice, uh, emphasizing, emphasizing the need uh, for them to be alone with Jesus, to spend time with Him, to be away from the distractions of life, uh, to be away from the distractions of ministry, from the busyness, and to rest a while, to take a break uh, from the labor, from the ministry that they've been doing in His name. And so another way to think about this place that Jesus takes them to is a wilderness place apart. Uh, That's another way of describing uh, the place Jesus takes them to, a wilderness place apart. Uh, This is picking up that idea of rest within the wilderness that we see often throughout Scripture. We see it uh, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in the prophets. Uh, Jeremiah says, uh, in Jeremiah 31, he says, The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. And here, uh, Jeremiah is... Uh, prophesying on the part of the Lord, and he is he's, uh, referring to that wilderness generation, that generation that came out of the wilderness. Remember, uh, there was a, a certain segment of Israel that didn't come out of the wilderness um, wanderings because they were unfaithful to the Lord, and they didn't believe, they didn't trust the Lord, and so they didn't survive the wilderness. But there was a faithful remnant that God brought out of the wilderness, and he showed his grace to them, and they found that rest in the promised land uh, that God eventually brought them into uh, through, through Joshua's leadership and, and, his, and his hand guiding them. And so we get this idea that, that, um, that Jesus is taking his disciples into the wilderness to show his grace to them. And so we'll see that taking place as our story goes on today. And so, and then too, we get this idea of rest is further emphasized in verse 31 where we see that there were large numbers of, of people coming and going. Uh, Mark says many people, uh, many, many men uh, were coming and going. And that, that idea that many men were coming and going, we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But there were many people coming and going in the area uh, and, and it could be that Jesus' ministry and, and that of his disciples was beginning to attract uh, large numbers of people. This ministry of, of preaching and healing and teaching uh, is beginning to attract a lot of people. And so there was so much activity going on, people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. 
And so due to that, due to the continual activity and the people coming to see Jesus and combined with the disciples uh, just returning from their, um, their ministry journey, Jesus decides to take them away. Take them away from all the commotion. Take them all away from all the distractions so they can be alone with Him and have rest. And so that's the first thing we see Jesus doing uh, for, for His people this morning, for the disciples, is He gives them rest. He gives them rest from their work. He gives them rest from the busyness of their lives. And He does that for us as well as we take uh, advantage of these means of grace that God's given to us. Uh, His Word, prayer, the church, community, and so forth. He gives us rest. He gives His people rest. And so even as Jesus takes the disciples away to rest, they cannot escape the crowd. This crowd continues to pursue them. And, and they, they uh, see Jesus and his disciples going across the Sea of Galilee, and, and they uh, anticipate where they're going to land. They see the direction that they're heading in, and they run ahead and, and beat them to, to the point. They get there so that when Jesus and his disciples come ashore, uh, in verse 34, uh, there was a great crowd there waiting on them. And we see that, uh, that Jesus and his disciples, they came ashore, and they saw the great crowd, And then it says what? He had compassion on them uh, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And there's a few things I want to point out about this uh, verse right here. And the first thing is uh, that Jesus describes the people, this large crowd, is like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, this, this was a figure of speech going back to Moses and Joshua uh, in the Old Testament. In Numbers 27, uh, we see Moses speaking of, of Joshua and, and Joshua coming to succeed Moses as Israel's leader, as, as their shepherd in one sense. And, and Moses says in Numbers 27, he says, Who shall go out before them and come in before them? Who shall lead them out and bring them in? That the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. And so we get this idea uh, this uh, picture of uh, th- there's the potential for Israel to, to be like sheep without a shepherd. And so they need someone to guide them. Uh, and, and Joshua was uh, that leader uh, that led them in to the promised land uh, with God's guiding hand. James Edwards, a, a commentator on, on the book of Mark, uh, also connected with this idea of, of a military image of, of sheep without a shepherd, uh, makes the comment uh, that there was the potential that there was a military uprising in the area. And I'm one that likes a good uh, conspiracy theory, so I do think uh, uh, that Edwards is on to something here. And there's clues in, in our text and also in the other gospel accounts that leads us to believe this. Uh, Galilee, where Jesus and his disciples were ministering, where they had been ministering, was uh, a, uh, a um, stronghold uh, of the Zealot movement. This was popular in Jesus' day. In fact, one of his own disciples was Simon the Zealot. Uh, of, the, of the Zealot Party, the Zealot Movement. This was a group of people that were strongly opposed to the Romans, uh, occupying, uh, taxing uh, Israel, the Promised Land. And so they were in strong opposition to Roman rule in the area. And so Ed, Edwards notes that uh, in verse 33, that many that I mentioned a few, few moments ago, that many is a masculine plural noun. In other words, there were many men uh, coming and going in the area, and he he believes this this indicates that there was some you know some kind of you know guerrilla like secretive uh, movements going on in the area uh, to to oppose the Romans uh, in Palestine. And then also if you if we jump ahead to verse 44, we see uh, Mark says that 5,000 men were fed that day 
And so uh, this idea that there was a um, there was a movement in the area to uh, to drive out the Romans that were strongly opposed uh, to the Roman rule in there, and then you uh, combine this if you look at John's account of the feeding of the five thousand in John chapter six at the very end of that account. If you're if you're familiar with that uh, story, that version of it, Jesus slips away. Uh, he sensed and he believed uh, that the people wanted to come and take him by force to be king. In other words, they wanted to come and take him to be king and ruler over him. That he was this uh, promised ruler that would come and defeat the Romans. That's what they wanted and that's who they saw Jesus as. And so I think there are good indications if we look at the text and, and the other gospel accounts that this is indeed what uh, could have been taking place in this area. But we see Jesus is going to give them what they really need. Not what they want, but he's going to give them what they need. And so Jesus senses this. Jesus senses uh, that they, uh, they've got the wrong idea about him. And so uh, he doesn't get aggravated with them. He doesn't cast them away. He doesn't leave. He stays and he has compassion on them. And that's the other thing I think we see here is that Jesus has compassion uh, on this uh, large group of men. They were without purpose. They were without direction. They had no leader. And so Jesus has compassion on him, on them. He was inwardly moved by their condition, that they were directionless. And so he begins to teach them uh, on the kingdom of God. Luke tells us that in his account of this same story, he says that Jesus began to teach on the kingdom of God. In other words, he began to teach that message of uh, repentance and faith that we hear so often in the gospel accounts. And so we see Jesus caring for the people, taking care of them. He doesn't get angry with them. He doesn't grow aggravated at their ignorance, at their cluelessness. But he has compassion on them because he saw them as being people uh, like sheep without a shepherd. They knew, he knew that they needed help. They needed guidance. And so he cares for them. And so maybe you're here today and you're wondering... Uh, does Jesus care about me? Does he care about the difficulties that I'm facing in my life? Does he care about the challenges that I'm going through? Does he care about my family? Does he care about my children, my finances, the difficulties I'm facing at work, or whatever it might be? Uh, you, we are, some of us are wondering, does Jesus really care about us? Does he care about where I'm going to go to school next year, where I'm going to go to college? Does he care about my health, or whatever it might be that you're experiencing right now? You may be wondering, does Jesus really care? And I think if we look at our text this morning, we do see Jesus caring because Jesus cares about this group of wayward uh, people who had no idea who he was. Uh, they had this misperception of who he was. And even at that, he still cares about them and takes care of them. Uh, he, he, he spends most of the day with them into the evening and he teaches them uh, the gospel and he preaches this message of, of repentance and faith to the people. He has compassion on them. He's, he has pity on them. He sees their lost nature and knows uh, that they're seeking the wrong kind of leader. And so he takes the time to uh, redirect their thinking to show them the way to true peace and contentment as he, as he preaches the gospel to them. And so the second thing we see Jesus doing uh, this morning is he has mercy. He shows mercy uh, to the people. Even when they don't realize who he is, Jesus shows his mercy to them. And, we, and so often we can look at the crowd and say, hey, don't y'all get it? Don't you understand who this guy is? What's wrong with y'all? But I think we're often uh, the same way. We, we are like the crowd. We are like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, sometimes we have no idea oftentimes who Jesus really is. Sometimes we can think of Jesus as being a good moral teacher. In other words, he's just a good example to follow. And so if I, if I live my life in the way uh, Jesus tells me to, if I follow all the rules and don't make a mistake, then God will love me. 
And this is oftentimes how we, how we think of Jesus, how we think of God. And if this is how we're thinking, we're just as lost as the crowd is in the wilderness because we don't really see Jesus uh, as our Lord and Savior. We see him as this uh, taskmaster that we must follow and obey all the rules. And if not, God's not going to love us. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Or another way, a lot of times we picture Jesus or how we think about him is, is we just don't care. We have no concern uh, for who Jesus is. We have no concern uh, for what he's done for us. We have no concern uh, for these things. And so we live our lives as if uh, we can just live any way we want to. Do whatever we want to. It's all about me and, and fulfilling my needs. And so no matter where you stand in relation to this, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has compassion on both kinds of people. Uh, the legalistic rule follower, but also the wayward person. Jesus has compassion on all of us as he offers the gospel to us. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we know uh, the mercy of God through Jesus? Do we know Jesus as our Savior, that he is merciful and gracious to those who are far from him? People like you and I. These are the people that Jesus has mercy on. Those who are far away from Him. Who don't know Him. And so as we turn our attention back to the text, we see the day is, is growing late. Uh, Jesus has been teaching most of the day, like I said. And His disciples come to Him. And you can imagine uh, the disciples at this point. They're getting a little impatient probably. Uh, they're a little bit tired. They've, they've uh, already been interrupted by the crowd uh, from their, their ministry retreat with Jesus this time away. Uh, they're probably getting a little hangry. A combination of being angry and, and cranky when you don't uh, have any food to eat. Uh, oftentimes I've been accused of being like getting this, so uh, I can identify with that somewhat. Uh, or maybe they just knew practically they didn't have the means uh, to provide food for some 5,000 people. They, they were out in the middle of nowhere. There was no Chick-fil-A. There was no McDonald's. There was no Taco Bell that they could run to and get an order of hamburgers or tacos or a, a Chick-fil-A nugget tray. They couldn't do any of these things because those things didn't, didn't exist then. But if they did, they were out in the middle of nowhere and they had, they had nowhere to turn to get food for these people. And they didn't have the money uh, to, to provide for these people either, food. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they want to uh, send the people away and say, hey, wouldn't it be better to send them back into the towns and to the villages so they can buy themselves something to eat? They'd had enough. They were ready to be done. They had no ability uh, to provide food out of thin air. And so the disciples are continuing not to get who Jesus is and, and what he can do. Uh, they're still showing signs that they don't get it and they don't believe. They don't really quite get who Jesus is. And so Jesus speaks into this situation in verse 37. He says, you give them something to eat. In other words, you've experienced the blessings of being with me, uh, the rest that I give you. You give them something to eat then. You do something for them. You've experienced being with me and the blessings uh, that come with that. So you do something for others is what Jesus is saying. And what he's saying is, is as disciples, uh, we are called to ser serve others, to feed the sheep. Not just ourselves. Because oftentimes, uh, we just want to feed ourselves and take care of ourselves. We might be exhausted, like I said. We, be, we live in a very uh, scheduled, busy culture. Our lives are busy. 
And, but we're also called uh, to give of our time, sometimes of our money and our gifts and our abilities and skills uh, to serve others, to serve other people. God has gifted us in these ways uh, that we might help and serve each other uh, in, in his world. And so uh, we're to use those gifts to serve each other. We can do this in the context of the church. Uh, there are a number of needs in the church always uh, where uh, help is needed and where we can serve and help one another out. We can do that in our neighborhoods. Uh, we can do that in our places of employment, in our schools or wherever it might be that we spend our time, uh, God has placed us there and gifted us to, uh, to give something to others, uh, to serve people. But often I think we're like the disciples. We want the benefits, in other words, of being with Jesus. We want the rest uh, that he provides. But, and what that means is we want the preaching and the teaching and the worship. But when it comes to, to giving time to ministry and serving the church, I think it's easier oftentimes uh, for us to come in for an hour or so on a Sunday morning and then walk out the door assuming others will take care of the church's needs. And so Jesus is pushing back against this attitude, uh, not only in us, but also in the disciples in our text. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them uh, something of yourself and serve them in some way and, and help them. And so we see the disciples' response is, is filled with sarcasm. You can imagine uh, the sarcasm. Uh, they say, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Uh, and it's important to know 200 denarii worth of bread would be like over a half year's wages. Some 200 days uh, worth of wages is what the disciples would need to be able to go and provide food for these people. And they knew they didn't have that kind of money. Remember uh, when Jesus had sent them out on their, um, uh, their ministry journey earlier in Mark 6, he told them not to take any money with them. And so they know they don't have the means to provide for these people. And so we continue to see their lack of faith in what Jesus could do. They are forgetting uh, that Jesus works in the midst of the impossible. Uh, they are forgetting that they were the, these are the same disciples. They're forgetting that they were in the boat with Jesus on the sea when the storm came. And they were maybe about to die. And they forget that Jesus is the one that just calmed the, the wind and the waves with the, uh, with the wave of his hand, with the speaking of his, of his mouth. They've forgotten that Jesus was the one with them in the boat and that he works in the midst of the impossible. And so the disciples have failed to, to do something for the people. And so it's now it's up to Jesus to do something for them. And so the focus is on Jesus. Everything depends on him. He works in the places where, un, where our unbelief says no. When all seems lost or hopeless and there's no way out, Jesus works in the midst of that. And so he directs the disciples to bring what they have, and that's five loaves of bread and two fish. So they bring that to him. Uh, he has the people sit down uh, in groups of 50 and 100. Uh, this echoes the, the practice that Moses did with the, uh, the people of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, when they were journeying through the wilderness, he had them uh, arranged in groups of 1,000 and 500 and 100 uh, when, when God provided for his people, when he provided manna for his people, as we heard uh, read earlier this morning from Exodus 16. And so this, uh, this echo of, of the wilderness journey uh, gives us an indication of what's about to happen. And we anticipate uh, what Jesus is about to do, that he's going to show God's grace and his provision to the people uh, there in the wilderness uh, through, through his power, through the working of his, uh, of his hand. And so Jesus looks to heaven, he says a blessing, and then he breaks uh, the loaves, much like he would do later on in the Lord's Supper uh, when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he divides the fish among them all and he distributes, and he has the disciples distribute all the food uh, to the people. And so the people are fed. And in fact, they had plenty to eat because Mark doesn't give us details about how Jesus multiplied 
the bread and the fish. But we know uh, by looking at verse 42 that all ate and all were satisfied. And so the people had plenty of food to eat as God worked through Jesus, as God worked His, his mighty hand, His power through Jesus and provided food for these, these, this large group of people. He satisfies the people's needs, so much so uh, that we, we know that because there was 12 baskets worth of, of broken pieces left over. And so the people had plenty of food uh, to satisfy them. They were filled uh, by Jesus as he took care of them like a shepherd would. They got what they really needed. Even though they came there thinking they needed something else, they came there getting uh, what they truly needed. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. But, um, but Jesus takes care of the people uh, like a shepherd would. Uh, back in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 34, uh, this is uh, God's prophecy uh, to the people of Israel uh, that came through Ezekiel. Uh, and this is a critique uh, of uh, Israel's shepherds. That's what God is doing through Ezekiel. If you have some time to go back today and look through Ezekiel 34, uh, it's, it's God uh, criticizing and, and, and condemning the practice of Israel's shepherds who had gone astray. Uh, and were not taking care of the people. In fact, they were taking advantage of the people. They were not healing the sick. They were not taking care of those and pursuing those who were lost. Uh, they had failed to take care of the people and they were feeding themselves instead. Satisfying their own desires. And so the sheep, the result of all this uh, was that the sheep were scattered. Uh, they, were, they were lost. They were directionless without good leadership. And so God says that he will step into the void uh, in Ezekiel 34. And he says in verse 11, he says, I will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. This is God saying he will do that. God is taking the initiative. And it's important to note there where, where uh, he says, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. Because in John's account of the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, John says that Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain. So that's where they were at uh, when he had taken them away to this desolate place. They were on a mountain. And so in one sense, what Ezekiel was saying back in, uh, in Ezekiel 34 is, is coming to, uh, to fruition in Jesus, in our text this morning, because Jesus is gathering and seeking those who are lost, and he's feeding them on this mountain in Israel. Those who don't know what they need, who think they know what they need, and but really don't know, Jesus is gathering them together. He's gathering the lost together, and He's feeding them. And that's people like us who think we need, fill in the blank, whatever it might be, the latest gadgets, the latest, uh, a new car, a bigger home, to be financially secure, to have respect and acceptance, whatever it might be that we think we need. Um, Jesus is showing us, that He is meeting our ultimate need right here because He's our compassionate shepherd. And as our compassionate shepherd, He gives us rest, He gives us mercy, and He also satisfies us. He gives us rest uh, to those who trust in Christ. Hebrews 4 talks about this. We'll enter uh, that eternal rest one day with the Lord. That eternal rest where we can rest from our troubles, our worries, our pain, our sin uh, forever. Hebrews 4 speaks of this, that eternal rest to those who believe and trust in Jesus. This rest is promised to them. And that day will come when the new heavens and new earth come and God renews and restores all of His creation and renews us and restores our bodies. We will be at complete rest from all those things that presently trouble us now in our lives. But until then, until that day comes, we can go to Jesus. We can go to Jesus uh, with our troubles, with our concerns, because we know that He takes care 
He takes care of His people. He has concern for us. He has compassion for us. We see that happening in our text this morning. And He brings, He will bring real rest at His return. But as our shepherd too, as our compassionate shepherd, we see Jesus also uh, showing us mercy. He shows that to the crowd. They were seeking the wrong kind of Savior. They were looking for this military hero type figure that they could make king and that would drive out the Romans. They were lost. They were directionless. Uh, they were going down the wrong road. And this describes us. Uh, that the, the crowd is very much like us. Before we knew Christ, we were headed down the wrong road. We had no care or concern for who Jesus was. We were like sheep without a shepherd. We were lost. But in His mercy and His compassion, Jesus comes to us and He makes Himself known to us. He reveals Himself to us. He reveals us, us to us our sins and our need of forgiveness. And He reveals to us that that comes through believing in His name that we will have life. Uh, we heard that earlier uh, from the, the Bread of Life account in, in John chapter 6. That forgiveness and life come through believing and trusting in the name of Jesus. But we also see that Jesus as our compassionate shepherd satisfies us. He satisfies our greatest need. And he does that uh, by bringing peace with God through the sacrifice of his body at the cross where he fully paid uh, for all of our sins. For those who believe and trust in Jesus, uh, we have peace with God. Our sins are fully paid for uh, before the Father. And so in that sense, he satisfies us as the bread of life that whoever believes and whoever eats of the bread will live Forever, and, and, and those that believe and trust in Jesus will enter that eternal rest that's promised for all those who are in Christ one day. They will, we will experience that rest. And all these things come to us. Uh, God's rest, His mercy, uh, satisfaction comes to us uh, because Jesus is our compassionate shepherd. And that's what we see. Uh, I feel like that's the overarching theme we see in our text this morning is Jesus being a compassionate shepherd as he does these things for the people, as he does these things for the disciples. But he also offers these same things to us, rest, mercy, and he satisfies our greatest need as he suffered and died in our place on the cross. And so in this sense, Jesus is the shepherd that we really need. We are a people that don't know what we need. But Jesus tells us that in our, uh, Mark, Jesus tells us that in our text this morning that, that He is what we truly need. He is the one that provides us rest and mercy. He satisfies God's justice on our behalf at the cross. And so in that sense, He is the shepherd that we really need because He offers what we need most. And that's the bread of life uh, that offers life to those who believe in the name of Christ. Let me pray for us now. Father, we thank you uh, for Christ, that he is the bread of life, that those who believe in him uh, shall not perish, uh, but have life eternal. And so, Lord, we thank you for the promises that you make to us as our shepherd, as our compassionate shepherd. We thank you for the rest that we will experience one day and the mercy that you have shown to us uh, through Jesus Christ. And so we ask that you would bless us now as we go out from here this day. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
In the Gospel of Matthew, we read Matthew's account of the Lord's Supper. And we read that as Jesus and the disciples were